If there was ever a time we needed encouragement from the Word of God, uh, this is it. We need to embrace biblical truth. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to, to use truth to, to encourage our hearts, to build us up. If you are listening today and you are frustrated, many of us are, if you're at a point of literally desperation, well, it's understandable. The, the circumstances that surround what is going on in our day are extremely difficult for many. And I want to encourage you to do something, and that is as you get into the Word of God, that you really read it out loud would be helpful. And as you do, hear yourself say the words, but then also begin to, to reflect those words back to the Lord, to talk to Him, to open up your heart to Him, and to ask that the Holy Spirit would give you divine insight into what is being said. Now, I am going to attempt to do that in Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 18. It's a passage that I think has an awful lot to say to us in this day. And so I hope that this can model it for you and that you can have an encounter with the Lord through his word that will lift your heart, that will strengthen you. In Romans chapter 8, verse 18, the Apostle Paul is writing, and he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time is not worthy of being compared to the glory that is to be revealed to us. The present sufferings, the sufferings of this present time. It's talking about life this side of heaven, really. It's talking about our entire life is going to be filled with a certain amount of suffering. Some of that suffering could come at the hands of those that will persecute us because of our faith. That suffering can also be a product of simply living in a sin-saturated world in which there is disease, there is pestilence. Paul is looking at this, and of course he has suffered greatly at the hands of many, stoned and left for dead on a couple of different occasions. And so when he talks about suffering, he knows what he's talking about. And a lot of his suffering was really a torment of sorts, and that we find he had a demonic spirit that harassed him. And the Lord would not take it away because he wanted to demonstrate in Paul that his power, God's power, was sufficient in the midst of the suffering. But Paul doesn't talk about that here. He goes on and he says, For I consider that the suffering of this present time is not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. In the midst of our suffering, there is something yet future. And when we compare the reality of the suffering with the reality of what is ahead, there's no comparison. If only we could embrace the fact that if we suffer well for the glory of God, it will prepare for us a time in which we are honored, we are glorified, we are blessed by the one who suffered and died for us. And so Paul is embracing the fact that, hey, there, there's a payoff later in the midst of this suffering. And then he goes into the creation, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondages to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who had the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. 
Now, as you read this, as you think about what this is saying, the suffering is in the context of a creation that is subject to futility. It's subject to Corona-19. It's subject to our human frailty. It's subject to uh, human death that our soul and spirit will leave our body at a given moment when our bodies cannot function. And it's talking about that, that the whole creation is groaning and we groan inwardly. This does not discount suffering. It describes it. And what we are doing is we are looking forward to the day that our redemption is complete. If we've trusted in Christ as our Savior, we are forgiven. We have eternal life, but we still don't have our redemption in terms of our bodies. He says, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. We don't see it yet. It's, it's not here yet, but it's getting close. That final complete redemption, which includes our resurrection bodies, that will not be impacted by suffering physically, emotionally, or otherwise. And then it says in verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, helps us in our weaknesses. I feel compelled right here to pray. And so, Heavenly Father, I ask that right now, your Holy Spirit, who dwells in every believer listening to my voice, I ask that we might sense the presence of your Spirit, trust the reality of the Spirit's presence in our lives, because your Word makes it clear. We have your Holy Spirit, and your Holy Spirit wants to help us as we deal with our weaknesses, as we deal with our struggles, as we try to navigate through this pandemic, as our lives have been turned upside down, as some of us aren't sure how we're going to be able to cover the expenses of living life. And so we ask for your Holy Spirit to give us guidance, give us direction, give us encouragement, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul goes on, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Look what it says. We do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. The Holy Spirit of God is praying for you and for me during those times when we are so overwhelmed. Notice the realism of this entire passage, that we will suffer, but don't forget the future glory that the creation is subjected to futility. That's reality. But in the midst of that, we have a future hope of redemption, the redemption of our bodies. And in the midst of that, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. And right now, many of us, we feel weak. We are overwhelmed. Now this passage goes on. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. God himself within us is crying out for us with groanings too deep for words. And that's the kind of love that God has for us. That the one who is called the Comforter is crying out to the Father on our behalf, while the one who died for us is seated at the right hand of the Father, representing us to him. As one, as one who has been covered by his blood. That's reality for us today. And then it goes on, the passage, it says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. 
for those who are called according to his purpose. Now you stop and you say, well, Lord, I want to be honest. You say that all things work together for good. I cannot see how good is coming out of this. Is that your heart? Is that how you feel? You can be honest with first yourself, but be honest with the Lord because he knows our thoughts. He he knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're dealing with. But what we need is this perspective as we come to a passage like this. And so when we read something that we have a hard time embracing, we can be honest about it. So we ask, Lord, I don't know how this can work for good. I don't know how you can bring good out of of life being disrupted. Lord, I don't know how you can bring good out of children not being able to go to school. Lord, I don't understand how people dying as they have, getting sick, and then having to wear a mask, and not knowing one day to the next whether or not I can contract the coronavirus. Maybe you can also say, Lord, I've got friends that have been impacted by this. They're in the hospital or they've died. I mean, you lost loved ones. There's so many things happening. How in the world can we say all things work together for good? Well, God is promising that he is going to use this in ways we don't comprehend. But you know what? Even now, I think if we pull back a little bit, we take a deep breath, it's possible to begin to see some of the good things coming out of this. One of the good things coming out of this, by the way, is that a lot of families are compelled to come together and to work through their issues. Now, it may have heightened some of the issues, but it's going to force a reality. Are you going to pull together as a husband and a wife? And are you going to then look at how God would have you guide your family when it comes to your children? I can see a number of things that I would suggest to you have been good in my life. It's been good for me to see that sports were way out of proportion in terms of a priority system. That things that we enjoyed and they weren't necessarily wrong in and of themselves were probably far more important than they ought to be. And I'm talking about football. I'm talking about basketball. And also, I don't know about you, but as I pulled back and saw nothing wrong with the sports themselves, but with the way they're magnified in our culture, in our society, in our country, I find myself saying it's just totally out of perspective. I've reached a point where when I hear someone is considering that he was got a raw deal because he's going to make only $30 million this year and doesn't have a contract for the next couple of years, I, I think, wait a minute. We have people that can't pay their bills. We have people that can't uh, buy a meal, and we're worried about someone who's going to make $30 million next season. I mean, that's really totally out of perspective. And so when we look at this, I think this is definitely impacting my priority system. I have been challenged in so many different ways. I've been challenged to to recognize that I have wasted far too much time in my life doing things that have no eternal significance. Now, this is not to say that we don't need downtime. We need a break. We need to have some fun. Nothing wrong with any of that. 
But it's very easy for that to turn into a situation where we're suddenly watching hours of television on the Internet for hours doing things that aren't productive. This has challenged me and reminded me of the brevity of life, the, the fragile nature of our lives. I think another good thing that's come out of this is we've come to the point where we recognize that we really need to look to the Lord and to to gain understanding when it comes to various aspects of how we live life on a day-to-day basis, but also when it comes to how we monitor our health, that we need to take our health into our own hands. We need to be well-educated. We need to take care of the earthly tents so that we we can serve. We're out of time. Let me just close with a brief word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Please encourage our hearts with your word. We ask for the ministry of your Holy Spirit within us to compensate for our weaknesses and to give us wisdom, encouragement, and guidance. And may we, in the midst of all this, reflect your love to an unbelieving world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.